Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, official Happy New Year to all of you getting back in the swing of things, going back to work, and thought we'd give you a little podcast to listen to on your what might be your first commute of uh, the new year. But uh, John did not save his travel for this week. You've already been around quite a bit. Where were you this weekend? Uh, so I'm in Los Angeles for four games in three days. Uh, got a doubleheader at Staples that I'm going to go to uh, right after we record this, but Watch the uh, Lakers blow away the uh, Pelicans in a pretty impressive performance on Friday. And then shockingly, this might be the single most shocking outcome in the league the entire year. Memphis 140 at Clippers 114. Uh, watch Jay, Cla- Jay Crowder kick the shit out of Kawhi Leonard, which I would not have ever believed if I had not witnessed it with my own eyes. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's incredible. Uh, yeah, and I mean, how are you feeling about the Clippers now having seen them in person, five and five in their last 10, Montrose Harrell saying after the game that, no, you need to get it out of your head. We're not that good of a team right now. Do you agree with that? I think there are elements of truth in that. I mean, this team was never, I think the intention even coming into the season was never that they were going to be a regular season juggernaut, right? That they were going to manage the minutes of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Some of their second line guys were okay, but they're not great players. So, that And they were just going to take whatever playoff seed they got and then take their chances with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Now, they're looking at a situation where they could end up sixth, though, which I think is a little lower than they probably would have expected. And I, I do think they probably need uh, one one more kind of high-level guy uh, as opposed to they're – playing, they're playing a lot of these minutes now with some of these, you know, fringy guards and – Patrick Patterson's and Rodney Magruder's and people like that. I think they need one more upgrade probably. Yeah. Well, I guess they haven't had their entire team available for a lot of and, the year. And they talking about that, that they have, they have four days off after today and they haven't really had a chance to practice with their whole crew the entire year. Cause Paul George remember was out in training camp because of that shoulder. Um, was it was shoulder surgery, right? Yeah, and uh, two shoulder surgeries. Yeah. So, so that they haven't really, had had a chance to do that yet. So I think that's something they're looking forward to uh, after they play the uh, Knicks this afternoon. I'm not that worried about them in part because in the big games when they've really needed to show up like the Lakers or that big Mavs game when Luca was probably at like the absolute height mm-hmm. of the hype for him, it, they really came in and shut him down. So I, I think that they, if you see them getting waxed by good teams, that to me matters a little bit more. The games that they're actually are up for. They say that teams take their cue from 
They're leaders a lot of times, and they don't have the infrastructure in place like Toronto did last year to win games with Kawhi sort of playing at uh, 70%, and he was uh, he was maybe playing at 40% yesterday. <laughs> I mean that just the they had no energy at all. I mean they got beat to every single fifty fifty ball. Uh, Ka- Kawhi, yeah, I, he was. <laughs> it was definitely a low energy game from him. Uh, Lou, Lou Williams was bad. I mean it was just it, it wasn't it wasn't their night definitely or, or their day rather since I guess it was a twelve thirty start. But they, I, I tend to agree with you. I I think when it comes to the postseason, I think they're going to be as dangerous as anyone. All right, so what we wanted to do here is a little different approach to the trade season. We talked about a month ago about the teams or or the players who really should be moved. That's really more looking at it from the side of the trading team. But as I've gone through and I've thought of, hey, all these players who might get moved, I'm like, man, there's a lot of these guys. And so I thought maybe what we could talk about is – who really you would want to be going after, right? It it seems like there are a lot of players who will be available, but who is really like the guy that if you are a team that's trying to acquire, say, power forward, who is your number one target on this trade market? And obviously that's going to vary depending what kind of a situation you're in, what kind of a cap situation. So I put together a universe of guys. John then went ahead and picked his top five players at each position that he would be trying to trade for. And let's, uh, what position do you want to start with here? Uh, well, uh, let's start with the centers since one of them has been in the news. And, uh, j- just, just to be clear, uh, we, we talked about players who are realistically available. Like I, I did not list Carl Towns and Joel Embiid among my centers, <laughs> right? We're talking <laughs> about guys who you could realistically acquire in a trade between now and February. Yeah, so uh, I assume you're probably going to want to start off uh, talking about one Andre Drummond uh, reports that the Hawks and Pistons are engaged in contract or uh, trade talks for Andre Drummond. Drummond has a player option for $28.8 million next year. Unclear whether he will opt in or opt out. Unclear whether that's a a better option for the team if you acquire him for an opt-in or opt-out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So, I mean, quickly before we just get into the merits of Drummond in general, what do you think of the idea of the Hawks trading for him? I think it's an okay idea as far as it goes. Uh, They lack a starting center. I think they have, uh, certainly at the point, they have Trey Young, who's clearly part of the future. They want John Collins to be their four. They have three young wings that they believe in. You can debate whether they ought to believe in them, but they have, you know, Herder, Hunter, and Reddish, who they use first round picks on the last two years. But they have, we joked about this on another show, they have three backup centers and no starter. So when you add Andre Drummond to that mix, he's not like a, he's not a perfect partner because he's not an amazing role guy. And him and Collins, I think, are going to get, get in each, each other's way a little bit. But in terms of a viable starting five who will mash people on the boards, uh, give them a chance, you know, an opportunity to get a lot of second chance points, uh, control the defensive glass a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I do think there's something there for them. And it's just a question of if you're Atlanta, what is the acquisition cost going to be? Would you rather have him or some of the other fives who might be available when you look at, say, like a Steven Adams or uh, some of the cheaper options, let's say? Uh, 
I think it's an interesting thing for them to pursue if the cost isn't high. Yeah. So I mean, what is too high, you think? Well, because the other aspect of this is Atlanta could sign him this summer and probably wouldn't have a ton of competition from him, especially if Detroit isn't willing to keep him. So how much are you willing to put in right now, asset-wise, if you're Atlanta? Are you willing to go with a late first-round pick um, or a heavily protected first or something like that? I, I think that's that's really where the question is. And then if you're going to do that, what kind of security do you want? Are you trying to look to extend him or do an extend and trade or at least have some kind of agreement with his people that he's going he's gonna to not opt out and walk away? Uh, when, when you commit an asset like that, I do think they're in a good position to retain him regardless. Uh, I think the other teams with room aren't really going to be shopping for centers, uh, with maybe one exception. Maybe Charlotte tries to get in there, but I, I, I think they'd be in pretty good shape to keep him if they acquired him regardless. But you're, you're always paranoid about this stuff on the front office side. And I think you would want some kind of guarantee that you'd, or, wink wink or something that with his people that that you'd have a good chance of keeping him i don't like it at all personally i i think the asset would probably be that lotto protected first that they have it's lotto protected for three years through 2022 from brooklyn in the alan crab slash torian prince trade uh that's probably what you think would be the target um i think he makes too much money i don't think he makes a difference i think he's lost athleticism like you remember Three years ago, that Reggie Jackson drum and pick and roll really propelled them to the playoffs. If he was mm-hmm. still that kind of a force going up for alley oops or getting offensive rebounds when the guy misses, um, you know, he's still a good offensive rebounder, but I don't think he's, you know, crushing tit dunks the way he used to three, four years ago. Then I might like him a little bit more, as you mentioned, as a role partner, but yeah, I, I don't think he's quite at the same level that he was at. Uh, but I think the bigger difference to me is if you're building this team long term, you need an absolute defensive difference maker at the center position with some of the other players that they have in their long-term core. And I just don't think that he's that. And he's going to be extremely expensive because of the counting stats that he puts up. Yeah, I the the defensive part of this equation is definitely the most interesting one because Trey Young is a sieve. So if you can have somebody back there who's really spiking shots at the rim and, and is a commanding presence, that can help offset what, what Trey is giving up. I also look at this team, though. I mean, they're going to have $82 million in cap room next year. I mean, I guess that number is going to go a little lower with first-round picks and cap holds or whatever. But they have more money than they can possibly spend next summer, basically. And really, even going out the years after that, all these guys are pretty early in their deals. So I guess I'm a little more in the middle on 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 Drummond and where he fits in there. I, I do think he and Collins are not an ideal partnership, though. I, I I do wonder about that a little bit. Yeah, I really liked his fit with Deadman because Deadman could either pop or roll, and uh, so could Collins. And so you had a lot of optionality there. Drummond, you know, he's going to roll to the basket every time. And then the, yeah. the idea of giving up an asset for him too because the idea is he's really only under contract, you know, for the rest of the season. Well, they're not making the playoffs this year. Uh, I mean, we know that for sure because you and I both ruled them out, and that's completely <laughs> right. So. If they're not making the playoffs this year, yeah. I mean, maybe there's a feeling of like, all right, our culture is just so bad. We got to get Trey some help. They said they would get Trey some help. They just, you know, they want to win a few more games for free, the rest of free agency coming up. You know, and, and I have Drummond. If they, if he opts in to 28 million, that drops them from about 60 million with the draft picks and Jabari Parker probably opting in 
down to, you know, a little over 30 million. And that, mm-hmm. that's pretty big. I mean, there's not, you know, two max stars, but you could get two, three starters, maybe even in free agency this year to really take the step into the playoffs next year. Whereas I, if they just get him, you know, I, I just think he's overpriced for what he is uh, given uh, what he's going to command. And also I just, uh, I don't care for the fit that much. So, um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's your number one guy then, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, uh, now the other thing that's on the table for Atlanta, it's interesting because this, this still might happen is they could, they could just opt to bring, uh, Deadman back and they're, they're basically in a position where, uh, they, you know, they have, they, there are multiple ways to do it with expiring contracts, basically. Um, yeah. and that's another option for him. He'd cost him 13 next year. Obviously he's been horrible in Sacramento. Um, but he was, he was a locker room guy there and he's, you know, he knows their system and everything. And you would, you would hope he'd be better there than he's been in sack. I, I do think that's another option for them just cause it wouldn't cost them anything. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I will humbly disagree with you on, on having Drummond number one, just because I don't think that he really, I mean, if you're talking about Atlanta, that's one thing, but if you're talking about a team that's really trying to win a championship again, I think, uh, having that amount of money applied to the center position when to me, he's not an absolute difference maker there on defense. Um, and he kind of, you know, he wants his post touches. He can be a little, uh, he can kind of hijack things for you in some ways offensively. Um, you know, I don't think he's like that great of a winning player on like a really good team. I think he kind of, you know, maybe he gets you to respectability in some ways. Yes. And, this sadly is basically the center market because we're yeah. <laughs> we're looking at we're looking at players who are overpaid for what they are basically is 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 basically the entire trade market. Um, speaking of which, uh, yeah, so well, here let's uh, let's take a quick break here and then we'll we'll get into okay. the rest of these guys. Uh, sorry, that was like what are your better transitions? And I had to interrupt you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I want to have like positive reinforcements uh, for those as you become a professional podcaster. But uh, <laughs> sad, sadly, we uh, we got to take care of some things there. We'll be right back in a second. This is a great time of year to get in to sports betting. If you are the type of fan that knows football so well, you think you can call the outcome of any game. My bookie is the place for you. They let you turn your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet with the NBA, college basketball, football playoffs. You can get in on the action with my bookie. You could try a parlay if you like a couple of the big favorites uh, this week to let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. And most importantly, they are offering an amazing deal. They will match at my bookie your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. So let's say you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. Just use the promo code locked on NBA to activate the offer. That's the network we're part of. Once again, that's promo code locked on NBA at mybookie.ag today to take advantage of this generous sign up offer you play you win and you get paid at mybookie.ag today david harrison here the locked on washington football team podcast celebrating with you a 21 grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to dave's killer 
bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's Killer Bread, it is the epitome of addition by subtraction. That thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich, but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste, killer texture, killer nutrition, a subtle sweetness, and a seed-coated crust. Dave's Killer Bread is America's number one organic bread bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store all right so who else uh, among the reasonably available centers that really appeals to you I think you got to look at Steven Adams. He's another guy with a big number. Um, you do worry a little that he's, you talk about Drummond lo- losing some athleticism. I think Adams might be in the same boat. Uh, he's played a little bit better of late. His number next year is scary. He's 27 and a half. Uh, but he's a guy who's probably a little easier to fit in to an existing structure because he doesn't really need the ball to be effective. He's just going to, you know, r- rim run make a few jump hooks against switches, uh, be a physical post defender. But he's he's basically plug and play. You don't have to run anything for him. Uh, so he's he's another interesting name there. Now Oklahoma City is in the seven position. They're actually closer to second than they are to eighth in the West, believe it or not. So they, who knows? Maybe, maybe they decide to hang on to him or they decide it's not worth trading him unless somebody's going to bowl them over. Uh, but he's definitely a name that's been out there and, and was known to be available, uh, certainly coming into this season. Yeah, you know, I, I do agree with you. I think he's looked better basically since the moment I said that he was looking a lot worse. I think he's made a difference for them in this surge. Uh, his offensive rebounding, his screening uh, can really be something that a good team needs. But yeah, it is that number really. And if there were more bad contracts that went through 2021 that – where the structure could be, okay, we're going to trade you this guy who makes 20 million and isn't any good for Steven Adams. And hey, we'll give you a pretty good first round pick for the privilege because we got rid of this bad salary and we got someone who can play over the same period. That would be great. But I'm just not sure where the salary goes unless it's a team who wants to take on additional money through 2021. And maybe there are those teams because this free agent class is so bad. But I, I think, again, we disagree because I think he just makes a little bit too much money for the production and you're really locking in. And I don't see him as just such an upgrade for a team that's really trying to get better. Uh, so I, I don't think I would have him ranked as highly as you either. Well, you, you touched on a low-key thing there, though, that I think is going to be a huge impediment at the trade deadline because – the lack of awful contracts that extended to 21 is actually a real problem. It's, it's going to get in the way of a lot of deals getting done because there sure. isn't that, there isn't really that structure available next year where you say, Hey, take this shitty, awful contract and a first round pick and give me a decent player who might be overpaid. That, that kind of deal just isn't going to happen. Yeah. So it's interesting to me. Uh, your third guy here is Lamarcus mm-hmm. and it, he, Drummond and Adams. You know, all kind of making that mid-20s type of range. Birds of a feather, for sure. Yeah, different skill set. You know, LaMarcus has a little bit more shooting ability. Maybe I was shocked to see he was 4 of 5 from 3 in the first half against the Bucks last night. But um, 
uh, other than that, he doesn't necessarily really seem to like to shoot threes. If he did, I would like him a little bit better as a fit. But he's also a guy who really, I, I think, can still score in the post. Maybe not against the absolute best guys, but uh, against a mismatch. I mean, do you, who of those three guys, th- this is the question, right? If you're a good team, who of Drummond, Adams, and Aldridge really fits best as far as like really playing winning playoff basketball? It's interesting because are you gonna if you're good enough to be in that situation, you're probably good enough that you don't need to run post ups for the Marcus Aldridge. Yeah. Um and that could be a real point of contention with him. Now, if he could content himself, if he could make the change that Marcus All made, where he's content with being a pick and pop weapon and shooting threes from the top of the key, which I think he could do at a very high level if he was interested in doing it, then I think you're looking at a different thing. Now defensively he's also lost quite a bit of of uh ability on on that end he's just more upright he's easier to blow by but you're you're playing him at five he'll rebound uh i i think if he was okay with being that guy i think he could be really interesting for a contending team yeah i I agree with you i'm just again i kind of struggle to see what that team is if you need a center and part of why so your fourth guy here is Derek favors and Mm -hmm. He's been awesome really, since he's been able to integrate back into the flow uh after the tragic death of his mother. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think he's only going to get better, you know, hopefully until uh, if he can avoid injury. But I think he's been a huge difference maker for this Pels team. Granted, they had nobody really behind him, so that's part of it. But I think he's been a good defensive center. He can finish around the rim, really helps you rebounding. And his number's a little bit smaller, and he expires this year. So to me, in some ways, he's more desirable than the guys you mentioned because I think he's a little bit more plug-and-play. I think he's the best defensively of that group uh, for a team that really needs to upgrade defensively at the center spot. And he expires after this year. You could still re-sign him if you wanted to. But because he's kind of easier to trade for, I might actually have him higher there. That's interesting. You see, I kind of docked him for being a rental, and I may may have overdone that because – uh, in, in this, in this market, your, your odds of keeping a guy are going to be pretty good if you want to keep him. So, so may, may, maybe I overdid that part. F- favors. The other thing that worries you obviously is just the knees and is he going to be able to stay sure. on the court? His back. I mean, it's it, between the knees and back. I mean, he's missed a lot of time over the years, but no question his his number is more easily acquirable, which is a, which is a big thing, especially when you get in season, because, you can put together like these five for one deals on a spreadsheet, but you can't execute them in an actual NBA trade because the other team isn't going to cut four players just to make your trade work. So, uh, I, th- I think his number being more matchable is, is definitely a factor. Now, is he actually going to be available is the other question. I think the Pelicans still have a good shot at making the playoffs. They're only a couple games out. Their schedule, especially the last 15 games is extremely favorable. They're looking at getting Zion Williamson back. So he, he may be a guy that ends up not being available or only available if they can bend you over. <laughs> yeah. And with the 17.65 million is what he's making. You know, you can get to that number with some smaller contracts that I've always thought the Celtics might be interested in him, but yeah, I mean, if you're the Pels, they're going to not have a ton of room next year. Now with Ingram probably requiring that max as more looks more likely by the day. So his bird, and they've played so much better with him. They need a center. His bird rights could be pretty valuable there. So yeah, maybe he just ends up not necessarily being available. Maybe it ends up being the same with Redick. So I think a lot of it, 
I, I mean, the, the problem you have with David Griffin is you're not going to get to see Zion with all these guys. But if they're playing, you know, above 500 ball without Zion with all these guys, you say, hey, we bring Zion in here and we got a playoff team next year. So why should we trade any of these guys for, you know, what's, I mean, nobody's going to give up a first rounder, I don't think, for Derek Favors. So yeah, maybe he doesn't go anywhere. This Boston thing is interesting for New Orleans, and I'll tell you why. Because they could potentially come out of it with two pretty decent centers, which they're, they're like when Favors is out of the game, it's still a death spiral for them, right? So, yeah. like, if you were able to have Tice and Cantor, wouldn't you be like, oh, hey, okay, now we got 48 minutes covered at least? I don't know. That, that at least gets a little more interesting. Well, the other thing that might be interesting too, New Orleans is sitting on this Darius Miller salary, seven million non guaranteed next year, torn Achilles. Um, you know, they've got some other small salary they could throw in, like Nicola Melli, for example. And they, of course, have a massive war chest of assets as well. So, I mean, maybe there's a thought that they could try to get one of these expiring contract guys. And yeah, okay, they may or may not make the playoffs this year, get gunning for the A seed in Zion's first year. What does that ultimately matter? Mm-hmm. But again, just to get that guy in your system as an expiring contract that you can re-sign and be a part of this group for a while, you know, that's something that they might consider because uh, they've got a lot of draft picks uh, going forward here. I mean, they've got the two seconds coming from Cleveland that they got in the Atlanta trade that could be pretty juicy assets uh, for them to uh, look to acquire a player in the last year of his contract. That's a really good point that, that, that they could do that or even somebody who's not in the last year. Um, yeah. But especially uh, either – I know they don't want to completely block in Jackson Hayes, but he's, I mean, guys just go, I tweeted out in the Indiana game, like Sabonis went through him like it was made of styrofoam. Like he just like, <laughs> it just gets completely obliterated physically right now. Um, and then I, I, I do think they could, they could do some things to even out their, their guard rotation too. All right. Who's your last guy here? We did, we did the top four. So I went back and forth on this one between Willie Collie Stein and Cody Zeller. I ultimately went with, with Willie, uh, for a couple of reasons. One, his contract is pretty easy to absorb. Um, and virtually anyone can, can make a deal for him. And then, uh, I, ju- I just think with him, his ability to rim run and be a switchable defender is probably more playoff ready than some of the things that Zeller does. Yeah, uh, and I mean, I guess just because he's so easy to acquire, like, why not throw him in? I mean, I, if I'm Houston, I might be very interested in Willie Cauley Stein. He's got the the player option for next year. I mean, but I don't know if I mean maybe the Warriors would be interested in just moving him so they can bring their two ways guys up, have a little more flexibility to try to find some diamonds in the rough this year. But I'm sure they probably still want to see him with Steph. The opt-in next year, they think maybe he could be a starting center. He has looked good. As a switch man, less good when he's not switching. Has looked good as a role man, less good when he's trying to post up. Uh, but you know that's the story of his career. You force him into a smaller role, he can maybe. The the other thing it. where he helps is if you're an up tempo team, his speed in transition. I like I thought that was one of the things that really helped Sacramento, and they really missed this year. Is he would just fly up the court, and then your guard is forced to pick him up, and then Buddy's running into an open three, and and I think they missed that. All right, let's take another quick break here, and then we will get into the rest of these positions of John's rankings right after this. What's up, sports fans? Matt Peck here, host of Locked On Bulls, and I want to talk to you really quickly about another excellent podcast. Huge Fan is a new Sirius XM original podcast where stars talk sports. Each week, join host LaChina Robinson as she chats with your favorite celebs about childhood sports memories, game day rituals, the most heated rivalries, and more. 
And this new season features huge names like Anthony Ramos from In the Heights and Hamilton, Pat Carney from the Black Keys, Mel C, that's right, a.k.a. Sporty Spice from the Spice Girls, and even actress Michelle Williams talking about her love for our very own Chicago Bulls. Huge Fan is a fresh way to connect with your favorite artists, actors, and personalities about something we all understand, fandom. Huge Fan is now out on Pandora, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow the show or subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. All right, what position do you want to do next here? Um, well, why don't, why don't we try the, the small forwards? Because I think there's a couple interesting situations going on there. Yeah, and the number one thing that stuck out to me is we had a lot of guys in centers who you know, people might view as solid starters who are under contract for a long period of time. Really nobody in this small forward group who falls into that category. Yeah, it's a, it's all expirings, and so it's just a question of do you want to rent these guys and then take a shot at their bird rights? Yeah. All right, who's your number one available small forward? Well, um, despite the temptation to move Jay Crowder to the number one player on the board um, <laughs> after yesterday. I'm actually I'm going to go with Marcus Morris. I think there's a lot of respect for him around the league that he can play three and four, that he can be on or off the ball, that he can that you can put him in a defensive matchup and he won't kill you, um, and that he could fill a lot of different roles uh, on a good team, especially as kind of a bench player, sixth, seventh man, that he'd be an upgrade over what a lot of teams have right now. Yeah, I thought he would regress this year from a shooting standpoint. That really hasn't been the case. He's become a very reliable three-point shooter as opposed to, you know, your 34, 35% guy. And I think that's really been huge. And yeah, defensively, you know, he's not a playmaker. He's not a really good help defender, but you can put him on a Kawhi or a LeBron and he's not just going to get completely overwhelmed physically. I don't know. He's not going to shut those guys down, but at least it's not like, automatic just sprint to go double team type of situation yeah you can you can buy yourself time where you're you know if your primary defender is out of the game you can buy yourself time with Mar with morris on the guy and he won't kill you yeah so i, I like that too he makes 15 million a, another one where maybe the salary matching is a little bit tough it, so if you're a good team where do you see him as far as like what you'd be willing to give up to get him would you be willing to give up you know your 27th overall pick that's an interesting question um because he comes with no bird rights attached that's a little tricky however as a non-bird he's making 15 it, you know is he going to get 20 probably not so yeah, you could you probably could get up to 18 with 120 percent. yeah so you could probably re-sign him just as a non-bird free agent if you were interested in doing that and he was interested um and he didn't change his mind at the last minute and then uh <laughs> Uh, so, so there's, there's that element to it. It's not a good draft this year. Uh, but still, I mean, a first round pick in any draft still has some surplus value. So you always want to be a little bit careful with that. I, in my head, I had two seconds for him. I, I, I don't know unless I could get off some, a little bit of toxic money, maybe two or something. I don't know if I go all the way to the first. I could see maybe, maybe there's a couple teams where that makes sense still just because if you feel like you're that close and he's the one guy who could make a difference, maybe then he becomes worth it. Well, this is part of why I wanted to do this exercise because, okay, you might say, hey, if Marcus Morris is the only guy available, maybe you get a little bit of a bidding war going among teams. Someone eventually gives up the first, especially if you're trying to prevent some of your rivals from getting him. 
But it seems like there are a lot of guys who are relatively equivalent to where you say, all right, you know, we're not going to give up a first for Marcus Morris. That's what you're asking for. We'll do a second for Andre Iguodala, you know, a good second for Andre Iguodala instead. Or, and again, you know, not every team has these assets. This is more kind of in a vacuum, but, or, you know, Jay Crowder only makes six million. We can yeah. easily match on him. Is, is Marcus Morris really that much better than Jay Crowder? Yeah. And I think that's going to be a factor for teams for a couple of reasons. One, with respect to the luxury tax. Um, and then two, obviously with, with salary matching scenarios. I mean, it's just, it's just going to be a lot easier to get to, to Crowder's number at 7.8. Yeah, and I think really Crowder to me and the Lakers is a very good fit because they could use one more guy on the wing uh, and he has a small enough number that the salary matching issue won't be a problem, whereas with Morris, with Iguodala, it could be. Yeah, uh, so here's one for you. What? Why is nobody talking about Jay Crowder to Boston? Yeah, I mean, he, to everyone in Cleveland, he wouldn't shut up about how much he loved Boston, so... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, th- yeah. there's a there's a fit there. He's one of the guys that because the Celtics have a lot of trouble matching salary. He's one of the guys, you know, that uh, that they can get to that number relatively easily. And then obviously they could just give Memphis the pick back from the Jeff Green trade and call it good, and and everybody would be fine, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, top six protected first rounder from uh, from Memphis. Yeah, no, uh, it might might be a slightly smaller asset there but yeah i mean they that's interesting and then boston you know another team that doesn't necessarily have space it's not going to be an amazing market for crowder you know something yeah maybe even mid-level exception or below could get him for the next couple of years i mean he's always somewhat of an unreliable shooter but they have a bunch of unreliable shooters coming off their bench anyway so yeah that's an interesting one you know they have milwaukee's pick which is going to be 30th this year um you know would you be willing to give that up for for Crowder, yeah, it looks like they also have Cleveland second. Uh, if I'm reading this correctly, which yeah. might be might be a more fair proposition. I mean, Crowder, as unbelievable as he was yesterday, you have to remember who this guy is. You know, he was shooting 30 percent from three coming into the game. Um, kind of limited in some respects, but Boston, I've always felt. They have five really good players at positions one through four, and they would feel a lot better about themselves if they had six. Yeah. And basically, they have such a drop off when they go to like Grant Williams, Semi Ojale, those type of guys, and just you know stand in the corner and don't ever dribble or shoot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's basically their instructions. Whereas Crowder can be a more viable part of the game. Yeah, and maybe you know Memphis might be interested to see what Semi Ojale could do in a little bit more of a role where he's not just you know terrified to do anything. I mean, answer is probably not that much, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and they, they've got Poirier, whose money they might want to get off of. You know, maybe that could be some of the value in this. Uh, Carson Edwards hasn't really been able to break in for them. He actually has two more guaranteed years after this one. Um, but Edwards is someone that Memphis might have some interest in as well. So I think there's certainly the pieces there to make a deal. It's just what the price is. I, I like that idea. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, there's, uh, you could even, um, well, never mind. I'm trying to construct deals in my head in real time, and it's not totally working. But yeah, there's a <laughs> the, the, there's definitely scenarios that, that that work pretty well with those teams. Um, yeah, Iguodala, I think, is someone that that's been talked about a, a lot here, and you know, you know, I think he he is an interesting fit. You know, so many of these guys who are in Golden State who are smart players but not great shooters, maybe they look better with Clay and stuff next to them. 
Um, but he is a, a real good passer that helps him fit around a little bit. I would still say he's a better player than Crowder, uh, at least as we saw him last year in the playoffs. You know, him or Morris, I think is an interesting question. I think it depends on what you need. Um, how would you round out this, this group that I think there's a big drop off after those three guys that we've already mentioned? Yeah. Yeah. So we, um, I, I had Morris one, Iguodala second, Crowder third. Then, uh, then there is a drop off. Um, the, the next guy on my list, just because I do think he'll be in play in a lot of scenarios, um, that his team is looking at would be Mo Harkless who I, he just hasn't really gotten his footing with the Clippers. And he was a very valuable role player in Portland the year before. I do think on the right team, he can be helpful. You'd have full bird rights on him. Uh, you know, I'm not a guy you'd go crazy for, but he's a guy to me that is going to end up traded probably someplace as a matching salary if the Clippers do anything. And then that team he goes to may not necessarily be the right fit for him. And maybe that team moves him on for like a second round pick to somewhere that's a better fit. Yeah, that's an interesting one of whether you'd rather have him than say, you know, Trevor Ariza it might be the other one who, who would be available. Um, because, and Ariza does have a non guarantee of 12 million for next year. You probably don't pick that up, but you know, Ariza is probably the better fit, but he just may not be able to do the things that he's been able to do. I think he could still be pretty decent defensively. You know, he's had some moments where he's been their stopper. I thought he's been pretty good. They, I mean, they've certainly used him that way. I mean, part of that, I think, is that they're terrified of using some of their other players that way. But yeah. he's uh, he's lost quite a bit, though. I, I I was reluctant to list him for that. I just can't imagine giving up an asset for a player like that. Where he, He's really yeah. at the level where, where buyout caliber players will be just as good. Well, and I think that, to me, is the lesson. Like, even Harkless... You know, I'm not sure if there's you're giving up an asset for him either with his shooting limitations. Um, you know, that that one again seems to me more likely by it. You know, maybe the asset is, you know, the fiftieth pick or something. Um Right. I have a ten million dollar player who sucks. I trade him and and a pick like that and I turn it into Harkless. All right, let's talk uh your next position here. Where you want to go at this point? Wow, you're that down on Reggie Bullock, huh? Oh yeah. No, I mean I guess <laughs> is he even a three? I uh, I kind of shoehorned him in there because yeah, I, the, I the other options healthy, were yeah. were kind of unappetizing. <laughs> yeah, if he's healthy though, maybe uh, you know his some he's, of his contributions can be underrated. He's he's back in the lineup and he's played better, you know, pretty well for New York the last couple games. Makes four million dollars, uh, has a one million dollar guarantee next year, so he could be a guy that you you bring back a year from now. So I think there, you know, obviously you're going to have concerns about him physically. But I, I think there, at some point, I, I do think there may be a proposition with him that works. Yeah, I, I, he's scheduled to make four point two next year if you keep him. Pretty early guarantee date. Maybe New York wants to just hold on to him because uh, you know they're really going to take the next step next year. Uh, but <laughs> but we'll see we'll see whether I, I, I'm interested to really lock in on then, him a little bit more. Their defense has been a lot better under Mike Miller, uh, and the shot locations they've given up has been a lot better. So. I want to lock in on them and see whether like they're actually any better. I, I I don't necessarily expect it, not in a way that's going to make a difference for whether you'd want to hold on to Rich Bull. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I I think they've been better in part because they most of the minutes of the game are being played by real basketball players now. When you look at bringing Alfred Payton back, uh, bringing Bullock in the lineup, who apparently actually is pronouncing it Bullock now. Did you know this? No, that's y- odd. Yeah, yeah, I. I 
I, I, I don't know where it came from, but anyway. Um, so, well, selfishly, I want to just get him on a team that might be in the playoffs so we can hear Marv uh, pronounce his last name. That's always been one of my favorite uh, Marv's when it, when it was Bullock. Now that it's Bullock, I think it'll be even better. Marv loves loves to draw out the syllables on some of these. I'm I'm just waiting for those guys to remember that commercial with the the letter B in the lock. <laughs> no, <laughs> need need fans to bring that those to the game again. Uh, okay. Do you want to? Is it okay to move on now? Uh, I think we can certainly move on. Yes. <laughs> let's let's talk about the fours because uh, there's a power forward who's been in the news recently. Um, I don't think Kevin Love is uh, really happy about his situation. I'm just. You know, I'm kind of reading the tea leaves here. I don't, I don't know. What do you think, Nate? Yeah, no, no. He put his arm around Colin Sexton and had an Instagram photo of it. I think everything's fine. <laughs> that that cures everything. Um, well, what what it does not cure is his contract extension, which which is the biggest impediment to him getting out of Cleveland. Um, thirty one, thirty one, and twenty eight for the three years after this one. I still had him second on my list of power forwards, I got to say, because he is really talented. And, it, you know, he's a defensive liability. Um, you worry a little bit about his ability to stay on the floor, but he can really stretch out a defense. He can rebound. He throws crazy outlet passes. I think on a winning team, he'd be a more spirited player, let's say. And uh, I, I, I just think there's... There's definite short-term value there. You're probably going to get your ass kicked on the last two years of that contract. But if you're in win-now mode, maybe you don't care. Yeah, as long as now only extends to the end of the regular season, uh, maybe I agree, like literally now. Uh, <laughs> because <laughs> once you get into the playoffs, I don't think that it's really going to work with him. I, I would have him a little lower again. I, I kind of like Gallo a little bit better. Although, again, with OKC playing so well, we talked about it. You're probably going to really have to bowl him over and so is maybe part of your point that love is just more easily available than gallo even though he's got the longer contract i had so i had love second and gallo first just to be clear right. i just we okay. we started right on this uh kevin love segue and i just kind of wrote it um but i agree with you and i actually think oklahoma city is in such a good position that they can have their cake and eat it too where they could trade gallo at the trade deadline and then still limp into the playoffs without him yeah, I guess they probably could do that. I mean, they've it, he missed it some time, and they still, you know, they weren't terrible. Uh, but I mean, I still think that it, he's worth more to them uh, to either re-sign and then trade a, at a later point, or uh, in the sign-in trade, because I just don't see the team that's like really firing away, you know, a good first to get him at this point in time. Yeah, and in in, in part because. They are playing well enough that some of these teams are out of playoff contention. Yeah, and you know, a lot of these teams already gave up their first too. A lot of the teams that yeah. could potentially say, like, "All right, fine, we'll give you the twenty eighth pick, and we'll trade for Gallo, and then we'll try to resign him with his bird rights." That a lot of these teams don't actually even have that pick to trade. The teams that would make potentially the most sense. Yeah, I would have been very interested to see Gallo in Milwaukee. Oh, that, man. That would have been Could you imagine fun. that? Just firing away off of kickouts from Giannis? Yeah, that would be impossible. Um, yeah. And his defensive limitations, I think their system is the best in the league to help minimize those. Yeah, to, um, to, the, to yeah. the extent any system can. Yeah, absolutely. So a uh, quick segue on love here. Mm -hmm. 
What do you think of the fact that he is agitating so hard to get out of here after taking the money that he did? I just think that's what guys do. <laughs> I yeah, mean, yeah, they get the true. bag and then they figure they can get out later. And uh, that's that's just the way that's just the way the game is played now. I I I don't hold it against them, I guess. And to be fair, he was sold on the idea that they would be competing and that he wouldn't be just watching Colin Sexton dribble for 23 seconds. Yeah, that was, that was an amazing highlight last night. I think oh, his, my the goodness. pass that he angrily threw at Jetty Osmond, Osmond weighs about a buck 60. Like that yeah. pass just about knocked him into the third row after, <laughs> after he was so mad at Sexton for just dribbling the clock out. And then so I think Sexton tried to wave him away when he went to go set the pick and roll. And that's what really, uh, really annoyed him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just ask Carl Malone and Kobe Bryant in, in the all star game. All star bigs don't like it when you wave them away and then go to, to, to set a screen. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I agree with you. I think it's interesting though, because Part of it is that he, the reason he can't be traded is because of that contract, right? If he had just, he would be in a winning situation right now, most likely, if he just hadn't signed that extension. Uh, but I guess the feeling was he had to take it. And perhaps also the idea that they're actually going to compete was based on the fact that everyone, including Kevin himself, might have overrated how good Kevin Love actually is and thought, hey, as long <laughs> as you have me, you'll be in contention. Yeah. You know, I, he still has, his nights when he's like that opening game against Indiana, like he was so good. Like he can, he can still, I don't know. I still, maybe I have too much faith in him. Like I, I still think he can be a pretty devastating offensive player when he's really dialed in. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, like I said, I think he helps you. Uh, I mean, I thought he would really help the development of these young guards and he probably has, despite the fact, uh, you know, it might be even worse for them if they didn't have him. But yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it was funny to hear that, you know, oh, we're keeping him around for his veteran leadership. He's such an awesome vet. And, uh, you know, it comes out that he, uh, it, it started ranting at the general manager as early as last year. So, um, who else we, we got here quickly as we're going to go through? Uh, so last two guys on my list, and I realize I probably ranked them in the wrong order, uh, Marvin Williams and Kyle Kuzma. So Kuzma is a guy that, I think is going to be out there just because any Laker trade where they have to give up an asset to get a player, Kuzma is inevitably going to be the Laker asset that's attached to that because they don't have anything else to put in a trade because of the what they gave up for Anthony Davis. So, what do you think uh, of Kuzma? I mean, he can he can score. He is definitely wired to score, and uh, he is. He's very thirsty, as as they like to say. Um, doesn't give you a whole lot defensively, but he can he can stretch you you know stretch the other team out. He can put it on the floor and create some stuff. Like as a as a forward off the bench, he's he's probably a pretty good option and uh, still on his rookie deal. So there's I mean there's definitely something there of of value. What's your take on him? Yeah, it's a little. This is a little different than the players we've been talking about because he's more of a long-term asset that would be going out. So it's hard to compare him to a Gallinari or yeah. a Love. You know, presumably, if you are the bad team trading with the Lakers, you're getting him for the future. So, you know, the most visible things in basketball, he does well. And the things that a lot of people don't see, he doesn't do as well. He probably wouldn't be too happy to be out of L.A. as well. But ultimately, if the team pays him, I mean, that's that's the question, right? This is his third year. you got to make a decision on him. Yeah. Are you going 
20 million a year for this guy as a score. Is he good enough to be your number two score on a decent offense? Those are the questions that, that I have about him. And I trend towards no there. And I, and I do think that the Laker patina of just, well, this guy's a prospect in the Lakers. And then the story of him as well, he's a great pick at 27. And so you can start to then maybe overrate a guy a little bit in part because of the story of him coming out of nowhere. And then, so the other thing you run into with him, he becomes a free agent in 2021 when a lot of teams have money. Um, so in theory, you should be able to win a restricted agency, restricted free agency stare down with him. In practice, there may be enough money sloshing around that teams have unsuccessfully tried to spend and failed that you end up with sort of a New York Knicks situation and they give him a ridiculous offer sheet and then you're, you're, you've lost him. Yeah, my thought on some of these two is you trade for a guy like this, you give him a little bit more room on a bad team to really try and spread his wings. And if it works and he really is worth that money, then you're happy to pay it. I mean, that's how the Pels are probably going to feel about Brandon Ingram at, mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Yeah. And maybe he does a bunch of stuff that you think isn't that valuable. And all right, fine. You let him go for nothing. That's not the end of the world. Uh, because he's just going to be so overpaid or you can try to do the Brogdon, you know, get a little something back for him in the sign and trade if there's that much interest for him. So, cause you know, I think in most of these cases, if you're the teams are really that interested that they're going to make an offer sheet, they'll at least give up a small asset for him the way the, the yep. Pacers were with Barton. You'd say he was more of a, than a small asset. So yeah, I, I would be interested to get him. You know, I would value him over, you know, some mid first rounder or something like that. Wow. Over a mid first rounder even. Well, okay. I mean, that, that's probably an overstatement. I mean, a playoff team, you know, your median playoff team first rounder, but okay. you know, in the twenties. Yeah. It, it, in this draft, that may not be an overstatement actually. Um, yeah. just haven't seen some of these guys. I mean, it's, it's, it's rough out there. So we'll see. I mean, some guys will emerge as the college season goes on. They always do, but right now it's not looking great. And my conversations with other people who evaluate for a living, uh, support that. Um, talk about Marvin Williams for a little bit, because I think he's a guy who gets overlooked. He makes 15, which can be a difficult number to match. You're probably looking at a second round pick tops, but he plays defense. He knows what he's doing. He can stretch the floor. You'd have bird rights on him. You'd probably be able to resign him pretty cheaply. Uh, he's, you know, as a four or five, like you could do a lot worse than this guy. No, I agree. He can switch his rim protection to me is very undervalued. He's a quality three point shooter, just a, a good vet knows how to play in the pick and roll game. So yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you there. So, uh, you know, again, the question is uh, at what price are you willing to go after him? Is he, you know, let's say you have a second in a trade that's, you know, going to be late thirties, early forties. Are you, are you going to spend that to get Marvin? I, boy, I don't know if I get into the thirties for him. Yeah. No, that does that seems a little aggressive. Like if I'm in the mid 40s, I think I'd I'd be more inclined to pull the trigger. Yeah, do you subscribe to the notion that really after about 45, these second round picks decline precipitously in value? Yeah, I mean we we did some studying on that too when I was in Memphis, and that seemed that definitely there there there's definitely a pretty severe drop off right around that 45 46 47 where the odds of a guy making it become significantly worse after that yeah i mean and once you get into the 50s in particular 
So that's and that's what kind of makes it harder. Oh, a second, or even if it's two seconds, yeah. like okay, like Milwaukee, you're two seconds over the next two years when Giannis is going to be there. Like, thanks, you know. There's been Isaiah Thomas, I think, was one of like only three or four number sixty picks who even like played in the league or something like that. Yeah, I saw a stat like we, that recently. When I looked at this a couple of years ago, I wanted to say there was a ten, there was a twelve year period. No, no, I'm sorry, a ten year period. We're picks 50 through 60, so you're looking at 110 picks in that time, and fewer than 10 of them became rotation players for for any length of time. Um, so you're definitely looking at low odds when you get down there. All right, one quick ad here, and then we get into the guards. Right, let's talk shooting guards here, and who is your number one available shooting guard? Um, you know, I listed this guy number one, and I'm not sure how available he actually is now. But I, I do think, I do think this team would listen, uh, and that's Drew Holiday. Um, probably miscast as a number one option. I think he's better as a number two or a number three, especially offensively. I think he's a little better when he plays uh, off the ball and is just asked to score than when he's asked to be a creator and an initiator. Good, but not great shooter. Uh, actually isn't having a great offensive season by his standards. Defensively, though, holy shit. I mean, he is good. And, and you don't see it sometimes because the, a lot of the other Pelicans aren't good. And so they still get beat and their transition defense hasn't been that good and, and things like that. But what one on one defensively, especially against bigger players, man, he is as good as anybody in the whole league. Yeah. And he's got some of the just the stickiest hands out there, too. And, I would love to see him be able to be unleashed more on smaller players too. They've had to play him basically at the three, sometimes even the four mm-hmm. defensively, just because they've had no one else over the years, even going back to the AD days. So, and in the playoffs, I mean, he was like their number one option trying to guard Kevin Durant in the playoffs. So when he can lock in on opposing teams guards, and if that guy doesn't have elite quickness or elite movement off the ball, like Drew is just going to swallow him up. And he, he physically, I'm, I'm not sure how much he really can see this on TV. Like he is strong and he is like thick through the, through the upper body. Like you're not moving him anywhere. There was, um, the game on Friday night, LeBron tried to post him up and couldn't, couldn't move him. Like it was, it was incredible. So, uh, I, I think he gives you so much value on that end. He signed next season at 26.2 as a player option the year after at 27. There's some incentives in the deal, uh, that, that throw that number off, you know, a couple million each way, but he's worth it, man. And he's, he's right in the prime of his career. So he's a guy I think you have to throw two firsts on the table to get Neurons to listen. And for the right team, he might be worth it. Yeah, I agree with you that he may not be available now, though, because they are playing better and there's going to be some excitement around Zion's return. So very interested to see. Again, if it, if Zion had just been around all year, they'd have so much more information. They can still move him in the summer. Do you think they would get that much more for him now than in the summer? Uh, I don't. And in fact, he could be more interesting in the summer because there are no free agents of consequence yeah. so and also uh when you say the summer the draft night i guess is what you're looking at where where it's similar right. to what memphis did with the conley situation where they um you know we didn't we didn't love what we had on the table on uh at the trade deadline and figured we could probably do better at the draft and and fortunately we were able to 
I, I could see a situation like that with Holiday. And then obviously at that point, the Pelicans are operating with more information too. They'll presumably have seen their team with Zion by that point and have a better idea on some of their other uh, players, especially, you know, have a better idea of where they stand with Ingram, um, you know, what they want to do at the center spot, all those things. All right. Who else do you want to talk about as shooting guards? Yeah, I think you got to talk about DeMar DeRozan. I mean, I think the, the Spurs got to look at blowing this up, right? And so what? what is DeRozan's value on a good team? Would he... Would he accept being a sixth man on a good team? Like, I mean, that's the thing he gives you is shot creation, right? Like, it's not super efficient, and he's not giving you a whole lot defensively, not that he ever did, um, and he's not spacing the floor for anyone else. But one-on-one, he can still be an absolute bitch, and that that's that's the thing you're trying to get. And then he has that player option for next year for 27-7, which is a little tricky because you're, you're probably kind of hoping he opts out of that, but – he uh, th- then also he becomes a rental at that point. Yeah, he's one where you, I struggle to find the fit. I don't think he's. You know, do you want to be paying twenty seven million for a six man? Now you might say, hey, you know what? Like we're not going to have cap space for next year. We're just going to trade some crappy expiring contract for him. But I think there are other players who, to me, you know, it's kind of like, all right, let's just get off of him as San Antonio. I I wouldn't want to give up an asset for him at that number when you're just talking about. You know, ranking these guys in terms of what it would take to get them, I, I might have him lower personally uh, among the shooting guards. But I, he does fulfill that scoring role that, you know, maybe isn't out here for another team. But I just don't know who that team is that really needs him. What about Orlando? Yeah, with John Isaac out now. Um, You'd have to do something like, uh, you know, Aminu and, you know, uh, is, to keep Aaron Gordon out of the deal, you'd probably have to do like a Minu Birch and Augustine, I guess, or something. Um, it, it gets it gets tricky. His number's large enough that it gets tricky. But I'm just I'm I'm throwing stuff against the wall here, and I'm wondering like a team that could really use an additional dose of shot creation. Uh, you know, Orlando would certainly be one of them. Yeah, that might be one. It- Terrence Ross, would you consider putting him in there? Yeah, I think as I look at it, you you probably almost have to. Now, the the thing that hurts you for the Magic is that they are so starved of shooting, and then you're adding another non-shooter to the mix, and and you're sending out Ross, who's like your one-volume three-point shooter. So there's definitely some stuff to consider on on that end. But when you talk about teams that will will be in the playoffs or are likely to be in the playoffs that could use that extra kind of – jolt of shot creation on the offensive end. I mean, I think, I think Orlando is certainly one of them. Now do, do the magic care? I mean, on the, on the other hand, like, okay, you're going to be the eighth seed and losing the first round. If you get to Rosen, you're still going to be the eighth seed and losing the first round. So what it, you, you have to like some, some aspect of what you're going to have after this year because of that deal. If, if you're Orlando. Yeah. Also, if you keep Ross DeRozan and Ross together on the wings, I mean, we saw how that worked out in Toronto. It was not too good. It was really hard to play those guys together. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I think I would. Would you rather have DeRozan or Alec Burks at the minimum? Wow, wow. I mean, Bur- Burks has probably been shooting how, it a little. How the head mighty head, have but. fallen. I, I don't trust Alec Burks' shooting percentage this season. I think, uh, yeah. you know, on a situation with a good team where he has to be a little more restrained with what he's doing offensively, I think his fit becomes a little, a little tougher. But I mean, the fact we're even having this conversation, my goodness, he's, uh, it's, well, I mean, keep in mind, he makes the minimum. Yeah. 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 27 million. Yeah. That's, 
that's fair. That's fair. Uh, well, so here's here's my thought, right? The role you're talking about DeRozan in is guy off the bench. Maybe he'll win you some games if the the matchup's okay. Maybe or he's hot. Maybe he closes the game. Like so, Burks. Yeah, he might be less likely to make the difference, but you could still throw him out there the way he's been playing this year and see if he can, you know, in between the third and fourth quarter, win you a game or two with a, a little personal eight zero run, mm-hmm. and then he's not going to complain about going out of the game at the end either. Yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely a lot less to manage there. I mean, where do you put it on the table to get Burks? I mean, the the fifty seventh pick, <laughs> you know, four yeah, I mean, four hundred fifty thousand cash. <laughs> is that like is that what we're talking about? Yeah, really. Um, but no, I mean, he's been pretty decent this year, all things he's, considered. He's he's had a good year. Yeah, I can't argue that. Um, yeah, resurrected his career, you could say. Uh, who else did you want to talk about shooting guards? So uh, two other guys I have here. I think Malik Beasley in Denver is an interesting case. I don't think he's going to be back there next year. He's not having a good year, but he's young. He's shown some mobility in the past. I think he's a guy that teams should take a flyer on, uh, maybe as part of a larger deal that that gets Denver something that helps them more immediately. But I think a lot of these teams that are going to have room next summer uh, – need help on the wing and especially at the two and he should be a guy they're looking at at least. And you trade the advantage to trading for him. Now you don't have to worry about Denver matching. Obviously you don't have to. And then um, you, you get a look under the hood and see what he'd be like on your team before you commit that money. Yeah. Yeah. And of course you have the restricted rights too. Yeah. With the emergence of Porter in particular, you know, I, I do think that there's a, less of a need for Beasley long-term, unless you're going to say they're going to try and trade Gary Harris uh, but, you know, I think Harris is pretty important to what they're doing defensively. Beasley, to me, is a, such a defensive downgrade from Harris, and they need uh, really good defense uh, on the wings. Um, it, who else you got here? Uh, and then, so the last guy I got um, is a guy I think, regardless of how the Pelicans are doing, can be available for the right price, is Etwan Moore, um, who shot the ball pretty well lately. Um, is actually one of the guys we talked about who was picked in the 50s and became a rotation player in the NBA. Um, But but not for the team that picked him. He bounced around so much, too. Yeah, yeah. Boston had to put him in that that sign-and-trade for Jason Terry that worked out so well for them. And uh, then he bounced around to a few places before before he really found his footing. Uh, 8.6 million, pretty easy number to get to. You know, combo guard off the bench, really more comfortable at the two. Um, He's a little undersized, but, like, he's got some toughness to him. He can He can guard players who are not superstars and be fine. Um, you know, I, I think, I think if you're the Pelicans, I think if you get an offer for him, you got to look at it. Their backcourt's pretty crowded. They probably want to kill Alexander Walker to get some minutes at some point this year. I mean, even, even without more, they have five pretty good perimeter players. You know, once they get Zion back, they can stop playing Ingram at the four and push everybody down. I, I just think that's something that the Pelicans have to look at. And if I'm, like a contending team and the price is right. You know, if you're just talking about like what we, t- what we talk about, like the 48th pick or whatever, there are teams he could help. Yeah. The, that's uh, I think he uh, being in a rotation and somewhere like uh, Boston could be realistic. I'm surprised you didn't list uh, JJ Redick on this though. I just think that he's a guy that the Pelicans are going to want to keep because he's under contract next year. And because he's a guy that other rebuilding teams have sought out to be that guy in the locker room with their younger players and be that influence. And 
I, I think that's one of the reasons he's there, and that's one of the reasons they'll keep him. And then the other thing with Reddick is that when you subtract him, this Pelicans lineup gets pretty starved for shooting. And I do think I do think you want that spacing ability around Zion, you know, around Holiday, who's you know not like a super duper long range shooter himself. If you're playing favors, he's not a three point shooter. Like you need you need the floor spacing to come from somewhere. I mean, I know Lonzo Ball's been hot from three lately, but like get, counting yeah. on him to be you know to, to be the uh, the spacing enforcer basically is probably a bit much at this point. So I, I do think there are relevant reasons for them to hang on to Reddick unless they get blown away. Yeah. It, well, so what's blown away? Would say. I mean, obviously, if someone if someone puts a first yeah. on the table, I I think they they do the trade right now, right? But uh, yeah. I think short of that, I just I just don't know if it's a compelling proposition for him. I think they probably just yeah. like the idea of having him on the book at thirteen next year. I think I would put a first on the on the table for him, considering wow. he's under contract for next year. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. Well, that I mean, I. I think the Pelicans, regardless of, of their chase for the seed and what they th- think about him, I think if a first is legitimately on the table, I think that is something they absolutely would have to look at. Because like I said, like like we talked about, I mean, their backcourt is is crowded. So I, I thought of Moore as the more dispensable option among the two, and that's why I listed him. At at the right price and the right asset return, they they have to look at Reddick deals. I just Ultimately, I don't think I, – I guess I was doubting that a team would put a first on the table – but you're right. Maybe maybe it happens. Maybe one of these teams says, screw it. We'll give you the 28th pick for him. Yeah. I mean, I think he's still very underrated as far as what he can do for an offense. Um, so, uh, okay, point guards. Point guards. All right. Uh, this is hard, again, because you get into questions of how available these players are, especially with the top names here. I mean, Kyle Lowry, um, I, I think he's only available – in the type of deal where Toronto gets some kind of compensating star coming back, but he's got to be number one, right? He's still a good player. He's under contract for next season. Like that is a, that is a really desirable commodity for a contending team. And I think the right for the right contending team, I think there's a, you can make a case to put a lot on the table to get Kyle Lowry because he fits on so many levels because he's, he's a three point shooter he can guard anybody. He doesn't need the ball in his hands to be effective, but he can also play on the ball and take advantage of some mismatches. Um, he's, you know, he does so many small winning things, uh, you know, with his toughness and drawing bullshit fouls and, and, and all the little things he does in the course of the game. I just think there's a lot of value there. No, I, I agree with you. The, the, so, it's interesting of whether it's easier to do that trade now or, or in the summer. It, I think it would just be when you throw in the politics of it, not right. only is he like a, a franchise legend, but then the team, one of the, some of the teams you're trading him to might be a team that you in theory would have been competing with in the East had you kept him, you know, like Miami, for right. example, seems like they might be a suitor for him. Yeah. It, it does get difficult, but yeah, I mean, I think of the guys who reasonably could be available to me at point guard, unless you want to call holiday point guard, he, he's the best player of that group. Although, you know, Chris Paul is definitely playing pretty well too, but his contract goes on much longer. And exactly. Amazingly, exactly. for a guy who's making 30 million, Paul's contract is uh, way more lucrative than Lowry's at the 30 million. <laughs> exactly. And I guess I'm a li- being a little bit hypocritical here because I did not list Marcus All and Serge Ibaka because I thought Toronto would try to win the- with these guys this year. Um, yeah. 
but I, I did list Kyle. I, I, his contractual situation, I think is just a little bit more, more interesting. And there's, there's potentially could be enough coming back to Toronto that they'd have to look at this. I still think it's, it's really unlikely, but he's obviously like, if I'm a contending team, he's the number one guy I'm at least calling about. I'm at least trying to find out what, what they might want. Uh, so Chris Paul was the name I put second on here because obviously he can still help a winning team win. It's just a question of, do you want to swallow that 41 next year and 44 the year after? I think for a team like Miami that is asset dry, he's actually a pretty interesting name because you're probably yeah. not going to have to throw in much beyond just the, the slop contracts that you need to get up to 38 million, uh, to, to get a deal done. But that's, that's, I think that's the question for OKC right now. Do they, how much do they believe in getting to the seven seed or do they think they can still get there without CP if they just, you know, give the keys to Schroeder and Shea Gilgis Alexander and whatever they get back in a trade. Another one where maybe it's more likely in the off season than at the trade deadline. Yeah. I mean, maybe after this season is over and we get into it, we see what happens with Giannis as well. I think that maybe some teams would be more interested in trading for Chris Paul. If Giannis takes the designated player better in extension this summer. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, there's still a lot of other 2021 free agents, but certainly none on the quite on that caliber where it's an immediate franchise changer into making you a contender automatically. Yeah. I mean, Kawhi and Paul George in theory could be available then also, but it does kind of seem like, you know, they went to LA for a reason. You, you never know with these things, obviously, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, Giannis is the one I think that everyone is just like so fired up for. And so, you know, if the Bucks win the championship this year and he resigns or, or the, you know, a team like Miami in particular, right? Like that, I think it's that last year of Paul where you're just, yeah, it, it vaporizes your 2021 cap space. If you, if he just expired at the end of next year, he probably would have been traded already. You would think. Oh, absolutely. I think there'd be a lot more demand for him. And like, I mean, he's older now. He can't blow by people off the dribble like he once did, but man, he could still play. Like he's still a good player. Um, and actually the next guy on my list is also a player for OKC. And I think he will be in play. Uh, Dennis Schroeder, uh, 15 and a half next year has played well enough this year that he, maybe he's actually worth that. What, what do you think? Yeah. You know, he hasn't been up until now. A lot of his one number metrics, which are like absolutely in love with him this year, are based on his defense. And I can't quite buy that. You know, I think that might be just a, more of a, a fluke. Uh, you know, but he has made himself into a pretty good mid range shooter. Uh, is he a starting point guard? You know, maybe not, but uh, there are some teams that can use some scoring off the bench. It's still, would I give up an asset to get him at that number, especially for next year? I mean, I think. I would have to be more about getting off of some bad money again for this year. And it, it seems like, again, the, the lack of those bad contracts, I'm sure OKC, there's been reporting they want to be a depository for bad contracts. Well, uh, which, which ones? Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Where, where were you guys when we had Chandler Parsons all these years? Um, <laughs> so, uh, with Schroeder, let, let me throw one interesting deal out for you. Oh, yeah. Would Minnesota do Gorgie Dang and a first round pick for him? You know, maybe if they like protected the hell out of it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, to yeah, because it's a T Wolves first round pick is going to be high this year and whatnot. But yeah, yeah and, and, and maybe you know, maybe what you would do is you would say, all right, we're going to lotto protect this pick for one year, and then it turns into two seconds away. Where it's basically like, yeah, if this trade works for us and we make the playoffs, it 
yeah. it was worth it for us and we'll give up the pick. Otherwise, you're just going to have to be content with uh, some of these seconds. And, you know, those seconds aren't that bad if they're not making the playoffs. Yeah. So and it, realistically, that, I mean, that's it. as well as Oklahoma City's going to do out of this. You know, the, nobody, you know, right? Like nobody, nobody's making a crazy offer just to get to get Dennis Schroeder. But I don't know. Is it like, is that a situation where he could, where he could be pretty good, you know, where he could, you know, kind of play the one role when Towns is on the floor and then kind of take over the offense when Towns is off the floor and yeah. give them an upgrade on what they have now and give them a fighting chance at being a, a postseason team next year. And it, cause I mean, I do think like short term optics matter for Minnesota as they get into the situation. They're going to get in this situation with Towns next, whether it's next year or the year after where he starts looking around for greener pastures if they aren't playing better. So I, I, I do think some of those short-term optics are going to matter for the T-Wolves. Yeah. Ultimately, to me, there's this, this thought in New Orleans, too, where it's like, oh, man, like, you know, we got to make the playoffs to appease AD. Well, unless you're making it to the conference finals, you're probably still not appeasing that guy. I, I think there's an element of that, especially when you get to, like, two years, one year out. But I yeah. – I, I, I still think even yeah. even now in twenty one twenty two they need to at least not suck. There, there needs to be a, a a impression of progress towards something. Yeah, no, you're probably right because he would just at some point he would just either completely check out to the point where such progress would be impossible defensively, or 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 like or he'll chuck a pass at Chetty Osman's shins. <laughs> uh. Anyone else you want to talk about uh, point cards? Uh, so I I put Jeff Teague in there. I think he's still a, a decent player who can be a good backup. He's on an expiring deal. His number's hard to get to, 19. But I think if you ask Minnesota nicely, you could probably get him at this point. Uh, I think they probably they probably are fairly realistic about what's going to happen with them regarding the playoffs. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm sure they're still trying to make it. Don't get me wrong. But I, I – I mean, really, if, if Shabazz Napier is basically just as good as he is at this point and they're trying to play Wiggins more on the ball, like I, he's expendable, right? So. Yeah. But that seems like kind of the opposite direction that they need to be going. Nobody's going to want to trade for Teague that has, you know, a big enough expiring contract coming back. They're not going to want to take on more money. I mean, maybe he is just, yeah, it's just tough to get there. I mean, I do think that maybe he's a, a little underrated at this point in time, but not yeah. underrated to the point where he's worth the the twenty. He seems more like a kind of buyout guy to me, ultimately. Yeah, you may be right. And then the next guy I had in my list was Shabazz Napier, um, who was who was on a minimum, so he's a little easier to to fit into a team's cap landscape. Uh, probably doesn't offer you as much uh, offensive juice as Teague does. You know, a little more shot happy, uh, a little. Um, Probably gives you a little less defensively, um, but you know he's he's an option because of his contract. Yeah, I I think I just don't see the contender that has a hole at backup point guard that he's going to be a big upgrade on. Though I I really appreciate his game, and you know I think he's underrated now because he spent a lot of the year with that after that hamstring shooting like twenty five percent from three. But he at least can play off the ball next to your star, but he's going to be a defensive liability in the playoffs. So yeah, the, I think it really thins out. After Schroeder, and even Schroeder to me is a, you know, another one of these, hey, you don't have any offense. You do, you have nothing at point guard. You're just trying to get respectable yeah. targets rather than a, a high end winning player type of target. Yeah. Now I will say that, um, 
so we've gone through my list of like the five at each position. There's one guy here we didn't talk about who I think is at least a little interesting, um, and that's Dennis Smith Jr. Yeah, yeah, he, he said he wanted out, uh, or there are reports he wanted out. Then he said he didn't didn't want out, but it, it seems like it, New York has not been a, a good place for him. It, he's someone you could look at. I mean, he's been so atrocious this year. Yeah, uh, even I, who was you know, maybe higher on him than just about anyone in that 2017 draft, I, I've had to face reality on that one. So I'm uh, I'm interested to see. I, I mean, what is the you know New York doesn't? It seems like he's not really. A part of their plans he, he's they don't have the spacing that he could thrive in so it, that's just one you would are you gonna give up a second round pick for him if you're just some random team to try and get him in your system is that the idea i think that would be the idea you have him for 5.6 next year see if he can be like i i think you're looking at him seeing if he can be a, uh your six man be the lead guard for your second unit and create a lot of shots and give you at least halfway decent efficiency. I, him as a starting one, I'd never totally bought. Um, and, uh, I, I think that's, that ship has probably sailed, but can, can, can he be something? Can he, can he give you, can he give you, you know, high value on a second unit? And is, is that worth looking at if, if the price is low enough? I don't know. Maybe, maybe the Knicks will ask for, for too much. Uh, but at this point, like he's not playing for him. His, his value is only going down while he's in New York. So I, I think that's something the Knicks would have to look at. You know where I would love to see him is in Miami. It would be like pro- high probability of crash and burn, but they've done such a good job of getting stuff out of these hyper athletic guys, like what they do with Derek Jones Jr., for mm-hmm. example. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, he could very easily clash with, with Spolstra and, end up on the Dion Waiters program. There. I was going to say that Smith Waiters backcourt was something I really wanted to see. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's unrealistic. I think that, that Miami could get him, but a team that really, you know, as you wrote about a while ago, a team that has a really good development track record. I think you'd like to see him there potentially, um, you know, low pressure situation, but also where he can get some minutes. I mean, that's, that, that's a tough would uh, like, you know, Phoenix, maybe, uh, They've always kind of Phoenix. Uh, Phoenix is playing guard. backup point guard roulette all year. None of their options yeah. are, are performing. Um, I think that's one that I think that's one that they may have to look at because that it doesn't just become a win now move for them. Um, it you know it gives them a chance to get something get some plus value out of it for next year. I think I think the that's an interesting one. Um, Utah would be another interesting one, actually. I think. I mean, they 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 they, they, they already no, they already have their former Knicks point guard, former lottery pick. <laughs> they they filled that slot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe that would be more of a summertime move. Um, okay, you want to uh knock another team out of the playoffs here? Yeah. Um, let's see here. I'm trying to remember who I've knocked out already. All right. Well, here I can tell you the answer to that. Okay. All right. Uh. The only difference you have, we, you and I have, is I have knocked out Charlotte and you have knocked out Washington. Both teams had incredibly impressive wins last night. Yeah. Um, but the five that we have in common are Golden State, New York, Cleveland, Atlanta, and Memphis. And you also have knocked out Washington. As you can tell, we put ample preparation into this thing. <laughs> we, <laughs> it's probably the most important part of the show. <laughs> Man, I, I can't. I can't quite uh I can't quite kill Charlotte yet. Um you know what? I, it's hard to knock out any of these teams in the West. 
because yeah no this is this is where it's actually starting to get a little hard like i th- this is the first one where i'm not a thousand percent confident right i'm gonna knock out the detroit pistons oh baby i just think they're i mean the whole reason they made the playoffs last year was because blake griffin was awesome right <laughs> and now he can't walk so he I, he can walk i don't want to exaggerate but he's a shadow of what he was they're clearly soliciting offers for Drummond. Um, I, I just think there's a there's an acknowledgement of reality there that maybe didn't exist at the start of the year. I think even with Brooklyn and Orlando scuffling, they're going to have a hard time catching those teams. I, I just I just don't think they're very good. So at at the end of the day, I think it's easier to eliminate them than it is to eliminate some of these equally bad teams in the West because that eighth playoff spot for the West is just something that nobody seems to want. Whereas Orlando is at least viable as like a 500 ish eighth seed in the East and same with Brooklyn. And I, so I got, I got to knock out Detroit. Yeah. They are one of these teams where it does seem like reading the tea leaves that they, it's just, they have to face reality with Blake Griffin, just, you know, maybe never being healthy again and that they're just going to, have to embrace the rebuild. Although I will say that now that they're playing Siku Demboya, he's looked pretty good these first couple of games. That be, he might actually help them a little bit. I'm excited they, to see him in uh, in Staples tonight. I saw him play in France a year ago, um, and you could see like there were some there were some athletic tools, but his um, his his skill level wasn't there. I'm really I'm really interested to see where his skill level has progressed to in the last. Uh, it would be probably uh, nine months since I saw him. Uh, he was awesome against the Warriors last night. Uh, I wasn't at that game, but I, I watched it. And 4-7 from three, uh, shooting some on the move a little bit, like plays where he's kind of backing up into the corner, caught the ball, and you know, just not like dead bang right in the shooting pocket type of plays. There was one where I think like he came off at a DHO and shot it from out there. Wow. And, then, and, and he made some plays defensively too. He had like a pretty impressive block, like – few more deflections that was something where i was like oh he's got the physical tools but he's gonna be is he gonna be a defensive playmaker he actually yeah. you know got a few deflections was in there so with his tools uh if he can make some plays defensively and shoot the ball like that's a player that's interesting because his switchability at the defensive side i think was probably the the potential aspect that was most intriguing about him when i saw him but he also airballed multiple open catch and shoot threes in, in the two games that i watched him in france uh, last year in person so uh if he if he's knocking down those shots more consistently that makes him a lot more viable um so pistons that's that's interesting though because uh, as of right now they are still given a 23 percent chance at the playoffs by 538 i'm a little wary because it sounds like more likely than not with this news that Kyrie might be out for the season and that he might have to have shoulder surgery and so the nets are 16 and 18 pistons are 13 and 23 i'm just a little worried that the nets just might fall and it could really be like 35 wins well the nets the nets have lost five in a row um sort of ruining the argument of of whether they might be better without Kyrie. you know the other the other team i thought about was charlotte um who comes off an impressive win in dallas last night and i don't know i feel like they've done they've done just enough where i can't stick the knife in them yet yeah, well, it definitely 538 does not agree with you. Charlotte given a 1% chance at the playoffs and Pistons given a 23% chance. But, I mean, I can see that Charlotte is definitely still trying. 
Um, oof, let's see here. I think I'm going to go with the Wizards. I still got them. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Oh, because you already eliminated Charlotte, right? I did, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that that would be the call. Uh, you, you're, you don't think Garrison Matthews can lead them to the promised land? <laughs> no, not 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 quite yet. Uh, but I, I mean, it's just it's it's hard for me to see. They're just so bad defensively, and they have no path to getting better. Yeah. So I'm. Uh, they they've I can't been quite go there yet. they've been one of the most fun bad teams in recent memory. I, I will I will tip oh, my hat yeah. to them in in that respect. Just having these random guys come in and score twenty five points out of nowhere and and. And uh, so some of the like some of the wins they've had have been like what the hell is happening right now? Um, and then obviously the the three point show with Bertans has been incredible fun to watch. But yeah, they suck. Here's their starting lineup last night. Jonathan Williams mm-hmm. played 31 minutes and was immediately waived after the game. He was plus 16 as they beat Denver uh, <laughs> at, at home by 14 points. Yeah. They waived him right after the game, I guess, because the the injury exception is. It? expiring which is weird though because they could have waived justin robinson who never plays and is on a non-guaranteed contract yeah don't quite understand that i mean maybe they just uh, are big believers in him um yeah you've got uh they, they started uh gary payton the second jordan mcrae and isaiah thomas uh and jan Mahinmi. and it was really their bench went completely crazy and you know troy brown ish smith mm-hmm. and isaac bonga <laughs> combined for 72 points Yes. And shot like over 70% from the field combined. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And if that happens about 30 more times, then your playoff uh, call will be wrong. All right. Well, so I'm guessing the eliminating someone from the playoff segment is more popular than Nate Reed's last night's bus score segment. So maybe we can wrap this up here. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Again, th- thanks everyone. Uh, you can find us on uh, iTunes or Spotify. Make sure you subscribe to us and, uh, and keep listening here to us in the new year. And th- thanks to everyone who, uh, who listened to us in 2019. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. Remax agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit Remax.com or download the Remax app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.